Comedy LOL Podcast Network. Hey everybody, today's episode is about conspiracies and my journey in the world of investigating conspiracies and where I've come to and my views today. And this podcast was spurred by the the research I did, research I call it, I read a book um, in preparation for one of my articles and podcasts called Freedom Yeah Right Schools. And it talks about how our modern schooling system makes us less free and kind of where it came from. And in reading this whole book, it talked about that. But the author of this book, John Taylor Gatto, is interviewed by Richard Grove in an interview series called The Ultimate History Lesson, which I'll put a link in. And it talks about school, but it, not just school. It gets into a lot of stuff with conspiracies, but a lot of the true side of it. Like a lot of the people who are around power or who seek out power or have ideas of how to keep their power going. And schooling is one aspect of it. And this is looking into this led me down this really giant rabbit hole. And that's kind of what I'm talking about today. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, guys, Pat Oates just wrote a book. Amazing. It's an ebook. It's a collection of all his articles on comedy advice he's been doing for the past two years. I'm so proud of him. You got to check it out. Go to comedylol.com. Actually, I'm sorry. Go to padoats.com and you can get that book there. I should put it. We'll get a link up on Comedy LOL for the book too. But it's called How Not to Suck at Comedy by Pat Oates. It's just a collection of articles on uh, for an up-and-coming comedian, for new comedians, for old comedians, just people who have are interested in comedy and have questions. Instead of having to do all these exper- experiences yourself, you could just read this book. And even if you're not a comedian, it's really interesting because you can get into it. I know a lot of people who like these TV shows, like Crashing with Pete Holmes. It gives you kind of a behind-the-scenes look. This book will do that. You kind of get an idea of what it's like to be a comedian. So you can get that at padoats.com. It's called How Not to Suck at Comedy. Enjoy today's episode. So today I want to talk about something that is, I would say, very controversial and something that has gained a lot more attention, maybe because everything's so politically divided these days and the rhetoric is just so strong, but it just seems that everything now, everything these days is more intense. And what I want to talk about today are conspiracy theories and my history with them and um, I, I would say maybe my journey through the conspiracy because I've always been somebody to try to keep a very open mind not that I've always believed in a lot of conspiracies but I always found them interesting and I've always tried to suck up as much information as I could and you know when I was younger it was a lot harder because the internet wasn't around so you rely on these shows um uh, like Unsolved Mysteries and, you know, X-Files was always cool because they would show some stuff and then History Channel did some things. Um, and there was definitely some books you can get, but it just wasn't like it is today, obviously. So then the when the internet came along and then, you know, I think that after 9-11, there was, the, the big conspiracy before that was always the JFK assassination. You know, they made the movies about it and everything. That was always the one that was... That was huge. It's like you had the Oklahoma City bombing. You had Waco, Ruby Ridge. And so that that stuff 
was permeating maybe more on the on the right or more because I remember I was in the Marine Corps around that time. So some people were talking about it. There were some videos going around talking about the black helicopters, but it always went to JFK. That was always the big one. Then after 9-11, you know, I, I remember maybe a couple of years. I don't remember exactly what it was after just coming across stuff on the Internet and there's different movies and then there's all these theories and stuff wasn't adding up. And obviously when the government investigate something like this like they've done in the past it's just the, their their report is, just has so many holes in it so it leads and it lends a lot to conspiracy so i got pretty deep in that rabbit hole and you know for a while i really believed that it was some kind of inside job and then you know as as the years progressed and as i became older and as i realized how human nature actually works and how people are, I it, it, it kind of morphed into it's not the official story. I don't believe this is my opinion, obviously. And then it's it's not this um, exactly huge cabal of like George Bush was like, yes, let's knock down these towers. It's definitely somewhere in between. And the evidence, the evidence uh, you know, circumstantial or otherwise. It's just crazy. Just in the fact that nobody really talks about it. That's what's really crazy. They try to wrap it up into this neat package. And then you might ask yourself, because every time a, a tragedy like this happens, they try to wrap it into a neat package. One guy, a group of guys, some evil person was responsible or group of people. There's somebody to punish. There's somebody to swift retribution. You know, we take care of them, boom, we're America, hoorah. I was a Marine member. <laughs> so, um, I, and I always found this, this is something that always bothered me when I was growing up because every time something happened in the news, it was this simple explanation. But then, you know, in life, I've always seen that there was never an explanation this simple that you see on TV. So, um, I'm just kind of using 9-11 as... I guess as a uh, as a, a metaphor for this, but anyway, so I, I'd like to go back even further. So after after you get into the nine eleven stuff, then um, then I you know you go and get into these rabbit holes, or I got into these rabbit holes probably in the mid two thousands uh, about like uh, secret societies, the Skull and Bones, and Yale. You know they make that movie, and then there's some other stuff out there. There's books out there. Then you you hear about like. Uh, the Bilderberg Group and the Council on Foreign Relations and all these things. And then Alex Jones makes these videos and he goes to these places and you see these pictures. What seems pretty crazy because they're these important people that are, that are, you know, running the world, essentially they're in all these powers, uh, elite circles in all these countries. But then they, they go to these places far away from cameras and they hang out and they just do these weird ritualistic things right so a lot of people are like oh they're devil worshipers so that was the thing like they're devil worshipers and it's this huge satan thing which i was always like you know i mean maybe but i always was like no they're people and they like their power maybe this is just their weird way to express it i don't know so that's always kind of where i i felt on that but as the years progressed and and you look at it differently and you kind of see how Things unfold, and if you step back and take an honest look at this country, I always like to tell people instead of it's really hard to do, but instead of looking at the time we're in now, try to 
put yourself far in the future and or you can even think of yourself as an alien observing this planet in a totally neutral way and you look at what's going on and it just doesn't jive with the narratives that we're hearing you know if you honestly look at what's going on um stuff isn't just just doesn't add up and it, it just doesn't make sense to the narrative and, and for example um so i remember very vividly when george bush was elected george w bush i mean i remember when george hw bush was elected i was really young i remember reagan slightly i remember clinton and everything was like fun and party and then um that's when i went to the marines and it didn't really seem like a lot was going on but i really i was uh a young adult you could say when george w yeah, George W. Bush was elected against Gore, and I actually voted for Al Gore. Uh, long story, but I just, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't trust, I didn't trust George Bush, and I guess I was, I was right because I mean, look what happened, right? Two wars were still in today, um, but so I, I just saw those, I saw the wars happen, and um, you know, nine eleven and the wars, and then I saw how, how. Um, bad it was getting I was paying attention that's when I really got into it same around that same time and you're focusing and I started focusing on these wars and I just didn't make sense to me and it, it didn't add up so there's basically two camps that you're allowed to put it in there's this one camp that you know it's all conspiracy and it's all devil worshiping you know lizard people <laughs> that are doing this because they're trying to make everyone slaves or it's what are you crazy you know these guys know what they're doing they're just dumb you know they're just bumbling idiots and they make these mistakes that was basically the two choices, I mean, I guess to some extent, those are the two choices you're, you're main in the mainstream. Those are the two choices you can be presented with today. But now because of the internet, there's another choice and that's the one I'm going to kind of talk to. And there's, there's another path. There's another way to look at this. And it's, it's broken down in many layers. And the first layer where I got into it was when I, when I started to listen to uh, Ron Paul, he was, running for president in 2008 and he had really no chance of winning <laughs> which would have been great if he did but he was just he had this anti-war message that I can really connect to it because I was in the marines you know and I I'm I'm not like a a super I don't know I was I was in the marines so I see the need for I see the need for um just for a, a protection force or, you know, we, there are evil people out there and we actually, you know, we need, we need the protection. So I, I understood that concept, but what I saw was going on. was the same thing that, that Ron Paul would point out that it just wasn't making us any safer. And in fact, that us interfering in other countries is actually making us less safe because when we're over there intervening in these countries and there's a lot of collateral damage and even if there's just a little collateral damage, you're killing people and you don't mean to, but then they have family that get very upset. Just think of if it was happening to you, if somebody killed somebody you loved or that was close to you, what what would you do? What extents would you do go to to get you know retribution? So so that's that was the message and, and it was loud and clear and apparently it was really loud and clear with a lot of other people because Ron Paul in 2008 and he ran again for president in 2012 he received the most donations from members of the armed forces than all the other candidates who ran combined ron paul got all the money from the active duty so 
they understood his message. Um, so that's a, uh, that's a great place to start if you start listening to him and what he's saying about the interventions and the wars and how they're just not making sense. But at this level, you could still be, you could still be at the level where you're, you're thinking, well, okay, these guys are just idiots or they're, um, or they're just, uh, you know, they don't, they just are trying to conquest or it's about oil and it's about money and it's about power. And so you start to get into that level of looking at it, which is great because that makes a lot of sense. Why are we there? What are the real reasons? If you start to honestly look at these things and break them down and do the research on your own, read a couple books, go on YouTube, watch a couple videos, obviously make sure that, that you can verify the information to the best of your ability, but there's a lot of information out there and you see, you start to see what's really going on. So that's, that's a, that's a really good way in. But if you start to look at this deeper, and this is where you would cross into more of the conspiratorial aspect, and this is where when you start talking about stuff like this, people are like, oh, this guy's crazy, tinfoil hat. And that's when you talk about, um, so there's this book that was written called Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley. So Carol Quigley was this historian, Georgetown professor, and Bill Clinton actually mentions him in a speech that he gave at the, the Democratic National Convention. I believe it was uh, 92 when he was running for president. That's when it was. So he, he references him in a speech. This guy, uh, Carol Quigley, is a professor who teaches a lot of up-and-coming people, obviously in college, but he teaches people who want to get into statecraft and who want to get into um, either become politicians or inform policy somehow in these jobs in the State Department, and they want to really craft the foreign policy of the world, really, because it's, I mean, it's mostly people from the United States that go there, but from all their countries, too, people go there. So it's this type of people. So he's, he's an historian on civilizations. So he looks at, he likes to look at the nut and bolts of what makes a civilization tick. So he doesn't really, he's not interested in the drama really of what's going on. He just likes to look at it more like an engineer, which is a very fascinating look at it. I mean, for me anyway, because I'm such a fan of history and so much history that I've been exposed to has been, I would say in story form. I mean, I, you know, if you talk about in a school, it's, it's like you get, <laughs> you get the very basics and it's really gross. So let's not even talk about that. But if you look even further, you know, history channel, uh, movies, books that you read, it's all, a lot of it's in story form or they're just talking about certain battles. So Carol Quigley gets deep into what actually makes a civilization tick. And he talks a lot about Western civilization. And so he writes this book and it explains basically the relationship between the British Empire and the United States coming out of the 1800s and up until, uh, like, I think the 1960s or something like that. So he ex he basically explains how we go from being a country of um, just individualists and, and people we don't want anything to do with any other countries or we just want to mind our own business and, we, you know, we conquered the West. I guess you could say that's kind of <laughs> colonialism, but there wasn't really a lot of interest in, in, in foreign affairs. But now look at where we are or even where we were in the 60s 
were all over the globe. So he talks about that. And it, it, this, this isn't a story that's happened by chance. It really, there's a lot of evidence. And if you ignore the evidence that's there, it really borders on uh, negligence, I would say, especially with just some of the evidence that I've encountered. So it really seems that this was, or it is, um, a, a grand, I don't want to really want to call it a conspiracy, but a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of power in the late 1800s had these ideas of how they wanted the United States to come back under the sway of England or either use the United States to put the empire of the world back together or their or their financial control of it really back together. And it seems that there's a lot of evidence these guys are writing that through the years they passed their ideas with all their money and their power down to their family and to, to likewise um, interest people, people who had likewise interest. So they passed these ideas down and it seems to happen and kind of coalesce and it results in basically where we find ourselves today. And so the fact that there's this, it's been referred to as an ominous continuity, that there's this continuity from that time. And it goes back really even further because the idea, while it sounds very conspiratorial, is just really one that has always existed throughout human nature as, as, um, as long as there was societies large enough to, to have it, where there was always a small group of people who wanted to have a power over the larger group of people. You could see it today where, you know, the president and the people are in government. There's a small group of people and they want to have the power over us. You look at the Romans, you look at the Greeks. So in the, in, and then medieval Europe is a great example of it. The, the church, the way it works. So there's this knowledge of, of kind of, um, I don't want to say it's like a knowledge of how to do it, like it's a secret spell, but there's this knowledge that that goes in the small minority of people throughout time, and they, they talk about different ideas, and they, they switch it up with the times because you have to, and it doesn't always connect. It's like I'm not trying to say it's a direct line, like it's this book that's passed down, but it's just an idea that gets passed down, and other groups find out and then some people find out this idea and they get it and they go start their own group that's all i'm trying to say it's just it's kind of like a, a study of if you can think of like cooking you know how cooking has improved just think of this as uh, another activity just like anything else like cooking it's just this activity that you know if you're this ambitious person who needs to rule people or needs power you know these people found each other and they kind of like spread this idea and they teach it to their uh, their descendants and they push it down. So that's that's what I mean. So in that fact, so if you look at the whole conspiratorial angle of it, everyone's like, you know, um, they'll say things like, like the Masons, the Freemasons are devil worshippers and they go all the way back to like King Solomon's Temple and it's this evil, evil geometry and all this stuff. But it, what if it was just an idea of how to make, of how to subjugate the masses and, and benefit off of, off of them and just kind of either tax them or somehow benefit from their labor in not such an honest way. And I, there, like I said, there's a lot of evidence for this. So it's, and I don't know, I'm not really sure there's a lot of theories about how the conspiratorial thing came about. I just think that it's very, if you add human imagination to this story, it's, it's perfect. And another 
another aspect of that also is there's a lot of evidence um, that these interests will, if they have, so these powerful people, if they have this idea and they, they want to say like, for example, say if they want to build a wall, right? What they'll do is they have, they realize, some of these people will realize that they, um, they're, they're seen in a negative light because they are powerful. So they'll come out against an idea that they actually believe in or something they want to happen, but they'll come out against it because they know that people will be for it. So it's crazy. I'm not saying that's what the wall's about, but this has happened I, with the Federal Reserve is a great example of that. Um, you know, it's, that story is way too long to get into, but Google that, how the, the Federal Bank and the Federal Reserve came into existence. The Creature from Jekyll Island was, uh, is a book that was written about it. Very fascinating stuff. So what I wanted to talk about today was Professor, Professor Carol Quigley is this professor who is, as I said, he was teaching these people. So he's in these circles. And among this, the, the really brief version of this is um, he's in these circles and he understands how all this works. This is what he's studying, right? And he agrees with it. And so he's commissioned to write a history of this one society that's doing a lot of stuff. It's the Council on Foreign Relations. They have a lot of these ideas, and they have this giant library. So he has access to all their information, and he writes this book, Tragedy and Hope, and it outlines this um, this group, this one certain group, and it circles around Cecil Rhodes, if you heard of a Rhodes Scholar, right? And it, that's where it starts to get really crazy because a lot of these ideas are actually – come down through some of the certain universities in England, like Oxford is a university that's been there for a thousand years. It's crazy. And there's elements in that, in that university that have this, that, that have been passing it down. And there's actually this podcast that Richard Grove did an interview with um, a gentleman who was a professor at Oxford around this time. Well, not around this time, but like around, um, the the uh, mid to late 1900s <laughs> that sounds so weird right 1900s so like I guess like the 50s the 1950s to like the 80s it is fascinating because he's a gentleman that's from England I'm sorry he's from he's from India and he was born in the lower class he made his way up through and he went to um, Oxford and Cambridge and he talks about all the society and how how it moves on and he and it's just an interest it's a really in, um I'm sorry, it's a really fascinating interview. So what I'll do is I'll leave a link for that in the podcast notes. So in this book, Quigley basically lays out the idea, which it, basically, it starts around the time of Cecil Rhodes, and he has this last will and testament, and it's what he it's his idea that he wants to bring the United States back under the control of the British, or as I said before, use them as an extension of the British quote-unquote empire to to subjugate the world in a sense, but it just to get the world under their influence and their control so they could tax them and make money. And something that he said was, which is really crazy, you really have to look into this if this, you find this interesting. There's so many just videos you can watch on YouTube about it. I'll link to a couple underneath. But he said that the mistake that King George made when the colonies had this, the revolution, so when we had our Revolutionary War and we left, he said the mistake they made is if they had a parliament in New York and let people go to the parliament and vote and have some kind of voice or what they thought they 
or make them think that they had a voice, that they would have never revolted, that it would have been enough. And that's actually a really interesting idea to, to put on to today, right? You know, so this guy who is somebody who is this person who believes in an empire and power and ruling people or just, or he's just at base, he has this, he believes that it's okay for him and his friends, a small group of people to profit off of everyone else and to take away some of their freedom. So at base, there's this guy and he says this, he goes, listen, if you just let the people think they have a voice and they can vote people in and they have a parliament system, they'll be fine. We could live off of them basically is what he's saying. And that's what is going on today. Anyway, that's just a sidebar. So that's what he said. He's like, that was their mistake. So we can make it better. And he had these ideas and he just got together with other people who had the same type of ideas. And this guy is somebody who made a bunch of money in South America during the Boer Wars. He was in diamonds and all this stuff. So he died very young, but he passed on these ideas. And now that's how you have the Rhodes Scholarship. That's how that fits in. A lot of people around the world from the elite class or the ruling classes will send their children there to become Rhodes Scholar to learn this idea of... Basically, what they're spreading was English exceptionalism with the English language. And what it reminded me a lot of when they're talking about spreading this English language and culture, they felt if they spread this similar language everywhere, that they could use it as a means to control everybody because then they could use their, their propaganda or the way they speech and they can impose their will through the language. This is a theory they had. It's very amazing. And what it really reminded me of is um, growing up when I would hear about the story of Babel. And the story of Babel is in the Old Testament, which basically says that all these people got together. They had this um, giant uh, empire or, or that, you know, they wanted to be like God. What they did was they had this, everyone speak this one language and they were able to communicate and build this giant tower to the heavens to be as great as God. Okay, so maybe some people, you know, and then what happened was God... To finish that story, God saw what they were doing and smote them down, and everyone ran away speaking a different language. So they couldn't work together to continue to build their giant tower to be like God. Do I have to explain the metaphor here? So, okay, what I was like, wow, what if everyone got together to get this common language so they could build, instead of a tower, a giant empire and act like God? <laughs> Because they had everyone speaking the same language. Oh my God, right? Isn't that crazy? Anyway, so this was their plan. And like I said, they, they passed this plan on. And the people who, if you look at who were in these um, groups that were formed to propagate this idea, these same people are the ones who are around power and who are influential in uh, World War One. In the middle and the treaty that causes World War II. They're very instrumental in a lot of this stuff, the Soviet Union. So it's not like there's this communist um, conspiracy or uh, religious conspiracy. It boils down to there's a group of people who figured out that there's a way to rule larger groups of people if you could just trick them a little bit. And it's not all the same. Like I said, it's not all the same. It's not a book that's handed down for thousands of years. It's just this idea that sometimes actually gets lost and pops up and reemerges in other places and people rediscover. That was the basic idea of what I want to talk about. So if you look at conspiracies, that's kind of 
it looks like all that crazy conspiracy stuff where they talk about like devil worship and and aliens or or lizard people or you know it all relates to this crazy mystical aspect or crazy sci-fi or something that's just not real it's it's like this barrier that you have to break through to get to the actual truth because a lot of this too which i didn't mention because i'm trying to keep this very brief and simple a lot of it has to do with propaganda and has to do with tv and ad executives like a lot of these people who are in these uh, power circles that have this idea that they believe in are also people who were high up in advertising and are still are or are on you know who make uh movies for example or media so just really interesting really crazy thing to look at so that's just my look at the conspiracies what do you guys think if you have any questions for me if you want to know more like i said i'm going to leave some links to some videos that really are just that are eye-opening and you're able to get through that conspiracy gook into into facts and i always suggest that you try to find facts and you try to find sources and footnotes and look at this stuff and a lot of this stuff is written down like i said they wanted they wanted people, they have to spread this message somehow, so they wrote it down, and it just didn't seem like it was that interesting to people, but that book, Tragedy and Hope, kind of woke some people up, and they, they tried to stop it, and then it got republished later, that's another interesting story, but like I said, look at these videos, check it out, let me know what you think, let me know where you are in your conspiratorial journey, what do you think, are there aliens up there controlling us all, is this a simulation, am I just Neo, and I figured it out, and I'm trying to save you guys. I don't know. Let me know. Brandon at ComedyLOL.com. You can support us. Go to ComedyLOL.com. Become our patron. We just moved the Pado to Sad podcast exclusively to Patreon. So if you want to listen to that, you got to go there. And Pat just put out a book. So it's a book about comedy. It's called How Not to Suck at Comedy. It's a collection of all his articles that he's been writing it's all a comedy advice article, but even if you're not a comedian, it's really interesting. You can get an inside look at how or what it's like to be a, a comedian. He talks about stuff like how to talk to bookers. When should I, you know, when do you expect to get paid work? How do you, what do you do at an open mic? How should you um, attack writing? It's just a lot of, a lot of different stuff. Uh, so you can get all that stuff at comedyolowell.com. And until next time. Comedy, LOL, Podcast Network.